This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is the returning Josh Todd of Buckcherry, whose latest album, Hellbound, is coming out June 25th. And uh, we do talk about that, but we actually kind of go on a very loose, fun chat uh, during this whole thing, uh, talking about why rappers don't have merch at their shows, uh, and and some are starting to do that, and uh, also, you know, talking about boxing, going to live events, which actually is how we got on the topic of boxing, with Josh going to see an event uh, the weekend before we started doing this chat. Uh, Speaking of sports, I'm currently watching uh, Brooklyn beat up on the Boston Celtics uh, to take Game 2 of the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs right now, uh, 108-130. Uh, looks like Jason Tatum's out, at least for the rest of this game, maybe uh, possibly even the next. And I think it's the Lakers and the Suns coming up next. So this is definitely my prime time for sports. The only way it could get better is if football was happening. But beggars can't be choosers. Uh, a lot of great sports going on right now. A lot of great baseball getting played. Hockey, I think, is still going. I, I don't really follow hockey that much, but I think the playoffs are happening currently. Maybe not. I really don't know. I Hockey is just one of those that, like, I mean, I live here in Michigan, and it's, you know, so many people love the Red Wings up until the last couple of years. <laughs> but it is definitely one of those things where uh, hockey is just seemingly always on. Like, there's never not hockey, it seems. It's just such a long season. Um to me anyway, but this was a lot of fun. And and I really also want to preface and say, you know, uh, the audio of this, for whatever reason, my default settings for what I use to record the podcast, uh, defaulted to my webcam. So 
you're going to hear my audio from the webcam, not my actual microphone as you're hearing me currently. Uh, it's not unlistenable, but it is a noticeable difference in audio quality from what you're used to with this show. So I think it's still a great talk. Uh, there's also a couple of times where Josh's uh, microphone uh, kept cutting out. I think it was attached to his headphones. And then, you know, sometimes with these Bluetooth headphones, like if they start to come on undone a little bit or loose from your ears, you know, they'll kind of start to disconnect or whatever. So uh, you can still kind of hear Josh. It's pretty faint. Um, I tried pushing it up as much as I could. Um, I know in the moment of it happening, I cranked my speakers up in my headphones like so I could hear what he's saying. So uh, if you watch the video... Uh, or if you were getting ready to watch this video, it's not like I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, uh-huh, I have no idea what the fuck you're saying, um, and I'm just going to agree with you. Like, it was me listening very intently uh, at a very low volume of his outputs, but uh, again, doesn't really detract from what we were talking about. I think it was a good time. I love having Josh on. I love how honest and open he is. He's a great fucking guest, and I will have him on anytime he is available to. Uh, so without further ado, this is my conversation with Josh Todd. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. I like that uh, that naughty by nature shirt. That's cool. Thank you. I, uh, you know, it's really fucking weird because, like, I know we had kind of talked last time uh, we did this uh, on the Warpaint tour cycle. Um, I think yeah. I was wearing my CB4 shirt, uh, and you were talking about that because you were wearing your Death Row Records shirt underneath your hoodie. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of those things, like, off record, we were kind of talking as I was packing up about, you know, just kind of hip-hop and, you know, our love of hip-hop while also being into rock and metal and all those kind of things. Yeah. And what was kind of interesting is, like, you know, I've been to a lot of hip hop shows over the last, you know, probably 15 years or so. And it's always weird. Like I just had a time hop on Facebook remind me of going to see uh, DMX, Rakim, uh, Slick Rick, um, Naughty wow, by Nature that's, that's at, like a, at an arena and no one had fucking merch. And I was shocked. I was like, are so you making weird. that much money that you don't need merch? <laughs> and I'm surprised to see now, like when I went and saw Kevin Gates a, little, a couple of years ago, he had like a couple of different hoodies, like four or five different t-shirts. It was like being at a real rock show. Right. And I remember commending the merch guy. I was like, thank God you have like a full merch spread. So I have options instead of like, here's my one fucking shirt or whatever. Like I go, I just don't understand like how a hip hop, like it seems like you're, when you go to those shows, they don't have a lot of merch. And I, and I just don't understand that. Cause it's like being in and having a lot of friends on like in the rock and metal side, like that's where you make a lot of your fucking money and yeah, advertising basically. I think it's cause hip hop artists, they don't really tour a lot, you know? So it's, it's still like kind of foreign to them. And when they, when they, you know, they, they do a few shows, but like, or they'll do like a month and that's it. And then you got all this touring merchandise, but I'm with you, man. You gotta, you gotta have, that's point of sale. That's like the biggest thing, you know? And, um, yeah, they spend so much time in the studio. I don't think they understand that, you know, but like rock musicians, that's our bread and butter. We're out all, we're, but we're doing like, you know, 200 some odd shows a year, you know? So. Well, I think that's kind of the interesting thing too, is 
you know, I was, I was trying, I was having a conversation with my wife the other day and I go, you know, I don't know who has it easier, technically easier, um, you know, rap to be successful and rapper to be successful as is in a rock with a full band, because if you get to the level, at least being a rapper, you're having people shop you your music and then you're just kind of going like that one i got something for that let's go and you're you're buying and the creativity is right there whereas being in a band you have to wait find the right connection of people to write the music to then you know tour it out build your fan base and so forth where i don't know if there's an oversaturation in the rap market to where it's like it's a lot harder to be better or if it's actually easier in rap because there seems to be more of a wanting a desire to work together to bring each other up um and to kind of put each other on whereas i feel like rock music as a whole just largely feels like a fucking dogfight to get any scraps you can get because of infighting basically and i don't know how much of that is because of labels and management pitting people against each other or what but it's just so weird to see rap and pop be so inclusive with each other and, and rock kind of seemingly tearing each other down for i don't know why it's a weird game, man, you know, and it, you know, it all comes back to the songs at the end of the day, you know, you just make sure you put out a record that's really great. Cause you know, the thing that's not going to change is the public is really going to decide whether you're, uh, you're for them to go out and spend their concert dollar to see, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it just gets a little bit interesting with all of that. Um, and like I said, kind of, yeah. I guess also with the, you know, the fact that I have my, uh, I was going to buy another round of my DMX merch that I bought on the last tour that he subsequently did just so I had backups to the stuff I had and then, you know, passed away. And I was like, son of a bitch. Like now, now it's crazy to see anything you can find to put your hands on it is just, and it's been weird. Cause I mean, I feel like, you know, you guys have, you have had a career equally as long as I think as DMX has. And, you know, I was talking with uh, Mark from Periphery recently about just this whole idea of this concept of, you know, it seems like it's, it's the old adage. You don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. But I, again, I just kind of don't understand sometimes why we as fans will be quick to shit on something that we like and support when a band's kind of at its lowest or an artist is at their lowest or having issues, but then, when they die, we clout chase and we're the first to be like, Oh my God, I, I miss them. And I love them so much. And you just do this shit. And you're like, what the fuck man. Like, do you, as someone who's that's kind the of nature of the beast, man, that's the nature of the beast. It's like, uh, you know, uh, we, we've made the whole world a small town now, you know, and <laughs> everybody hated a small town. They couldn't wait to get out of it because everybody knew your business. Now, like everyone knows your business as soon as it happens. And, um, it's really fucked up, man. It's toxic. You know, it's like, there's, there's, you know, there's ways that the internet and, and, you know, the, the reach of the internet is really great. And then there's the other side of it, the darkness of it, you know? Um, so you gotta be careful about all that, you know, what you allow yourself to take in. I know I do, you know, um, that's why I try to just, you know, like, there, there's certain there's certain boundaries that I have set for myself filters. I, I haven't watched. Uh, I don't watch the news and I haven't watched the news for a few years now. So I don't do that. I have a news feed on my phone, like, I'll, but it's only stuff that I'm interested in, you know, not not like 
I, I don't like sit down and watch CNN or anything like that. I, I just haven't done that for years and it's really helped me. And then another thing is I, I, I only spend like five to 10 minutes a day on social media, you know, that's it, you know, and uh, I've never been on Facebook, you know, I mean, my business and my band is of course, but I, you know, I'm just not on it. And, and so I think those things are, you know, they're healthy for me. I don't know about other people, but um, a lot of people are just constantly seeking, you know, the validation all the time. And, and that can be, um, that can be a problem, you know? Well, it's interesting because like, I know, no offense, but I know like you're older than I am and I'm in almost 40 at this point. And it's one of those things where like, I'm kind of that last generation that remembers what shit was like before social media and the internet was just kind of starting to come out. Um, you know, like I saw a payphone the other day and I was talking about calling cards to somebody or long distance calling and yeah, we had like all those. Shit, yeah, it's like that shit doesn't exist anymore. And it's, right. it's a thing where when I think back to life before the internet and all these kind of things, I feel like I'm in this weird pocket of, of a generation where basically it's like, you know, I have a little bit of a tougher, like tougher skin because, you know, people said horrible things to me, made fun of me. I was bullied and shit. You just kind of learn to, to get over it and you learn how to get some self-esteem and you learn how to like, sometimes those things don't fucking matter. And like, there's probably something wrong with that person. And that's why they just say hateful shit uh, to you. Absolutely. But it also is a thing too, where, you know, I know someone like yourself, probably like you said, like I only, if I, it's, I'm not interested in it, I don't look at it. And I feel like that's a thing that we just don't do anymore. Like people actively seek out something to get offended by and they go, I'm offended that I found this. And you're like, but you looked for it. Like, what, right. what were you expecting? And, you know, I've noticed on your socials, you're pretty inactive on it. Like, you know, I noticed you posted about going to see that Caleb Plant fight about a week ago at this point. And, that was you know, amazing. I was like, well, so at this point, I've gone to, I just went to San Antonio recently and went to a Spurs game. And it was like one of the first things I've done at like an event like that since the pandemic's kind of happened. And I was going to ask you, is that one of the first events you've gone to since all this has happened? And how did you feel about it? It is. And I had such a good time. I was in Carson, California. I'm a huge boxing fan. And we, me and a couple of my, my friends, we went there at literally 2 p.m. And we watched... <laughs> We watched all the preliminary fights before the telecast. We were there for hours, you know, and it was uh, it was just so nice just to be out. And you know, I love I love the sweet science of boxing. It's it's uh, I used to go to a lot of live fights, and and boxing fans are just really cool. And you know, you, everybody's humble, and you can talk to everybody, even the fighters. You know, they're they're in the hurt game, so like. They, they, they only get their little moment of glory with people when they're out of the gym for so long. So they're very personable and friendly. And, and so it's just a, it's a warm atmosphere and very cool, you know? So I really enjoy doing that. And it was nice to get out um, for sure. Did you have any, I know when I was at the Spurs game, I was pleasantly surprised at a, how well they executed the making sure like you have to download an app beforehand, fill out a questionnaire and you have to like show that you fill it out before you got into the stadium. And you know, the, they pretty much tried keeping you to your designated area. Like this is your concessions. These are your restrooms, like this little area. And like, you're not really intermingling with other sections. Um, right. And so I kind of, and you know, they were very diligent on if you weren't eating or drinking, like someone would come by and be like, Hey, you need to pull your mask up uh, and wear it at all times, regardless of, you know, if someone was even near you. And I thought it was 
a good sign that it's like, you know, Texas at that point was open 100%, but like almost everywhere we went, they were abiding by, you know, CDC rules and so forth. And it was something where I was like, it's cool that I get to go to a sports game again. And it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I figured there'd be a lot of like, oh, I'm not fucking doing that or whatever. But no one, everyone's pretty cordial with each other even. But it did make me go, why the fuck can I do this and not go to a show though? And that was kind of a bummer. Right. Well, you know, it's, 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 oh, what was that? Hold on. It's, it's happening, you know, here and there, like. Look, the the Canelo fight. They, there was seventeen thousand people in Dallas, in the in the stadium there on Saturday. You know, I texted my manager. I'm like seventeen thousand. I don't. I didn't see a mask in the place either. <laughs> um, so I don't know about that, but I know that Carson. It was an outdoor venue. You know, and and you know everybody was wearing masks. But when you got to your seat, people took off their masks, and and uh, it was pretty chill. You know, I I don't know. You know. Um, it's a lot different now in Cali and, you know, it's different in all different places. You know, I wish we were more aligned, you know, whatever that's going to be, but, um, I've been vaccinated and, um, I, I did it for the greater good. I want to, I want to, I want to do my part. I also want to get out there and work, you know, I want to be able to go everywhere and whatever that means, I, I want to do it. And I also want to do it for the, the, you know, people other than myself, you know? So, um, I think I it's not getting getting any notifications on any music sites about you getting vaccinated, which has been a yeah. weird thing to see as <laughs> news. Yeah. Like, so-and-so got vaccinated and you're like, okay. And I got the Moderna. Yeah. Ah, yeah. The place I worked, uh, last job I just had, we made the Johnson and Johnson one. So yeah, Stevie got Stevie, the guitar, our guitar player got Johnson and Johnson. One and one, one and done. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of speaking a little bit more about boxing, what did you, uh, what are your thoughts on this Jake Paul Mayweather fight exhibition? Silly. That's silly. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, Mayweather is, he'll just dismantle him like he does. He wouldn't take anything if he didn't know he could win. And, and you know, it's just, uh, just a way to make some money. You know, would I pay for it as a boxing fan? No. Um, you know, uh, I like to see, I want to, I love Mayweather. He's the, he's the greatest. He's like the greatest in my generation. I, I love him. Um, and I would see any one of his fights, but like seeing that nonsense, I don't, I don't really, I wouldn't pay for, it. I mean, I'd watch it on like YouTube or something. Should be where it goes. Should be on Jake Paul's YouTube channel. For free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you catch the Tyson Jones jr? Speaking of, uh, cause those were like two of like, my favorites growing up were Tyson. And yeah, Jones Jr. yeah, I, I love Roy Jones Jr. I mean, he's he's brought me so much joy. Both those guys, Tyson as well. You know, I didn't get the pay per view, but I saw I saw the fight afterward. What were your thoughts on it? Because it seems like that's uh, kind of where boxing's kind of going now with some of these people who can't yeah, technically you know, get sanctioned or whatever. They do these exhibitions now. I'm happy that those guys can go out and make some money if that's what they need to do. You know, um, I, I do get a little concerned for their health. You know, because they are older men, you know, I couldn't imagine going in there and having that type of head trauma at that age, you know, I, it's, it's a lot. And, um, so for that reason, I get concerned for them, but, um, you know, they're warriors and, and we love them and, and, you know, so we, we want to see the fight of course, you know, but I, I'm also concerned about their health. Hmm. Hope they're, uh, even smart, but I mean, once you get in that ring, you got to just, that's it. You got to get it. You know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a war. <laughs> um, kind of 
switching gears a little bit to more of why you're actually here to talk about your upcoming record, Hellbound, which is out uh, June 25th via Round Hill Music. Um, yes. You know, I kind of don't Such necessarily... Such a great record. It is. It's very good. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed having it over the last week. Um, Thank you. How much of the record was written over, like, during the quarantine, or how much was this kind of taking shape even before that? The whole record was written before the quarantine. Okay. I mean, during the, during the quarantine. Okay. Uh, you know, we had released a record called War Paint in 2019, really record as well, and, and we were we did like 154 shows um, on War Paint in uh, 2019, and then we were going to continue to tour on it because we tour a lot on records, and and then you know everything started happening. It was like you know one month would go away of shows, and we're like fuck, you know, and then we'd just be sitting there, you know, patiently waiting, and then we're like is is April going away? And they're like, yep, April's going away. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And so I got with uh, our team, you know, our, my manager and, and Stevie, and we just started talking in the band and, and uh, said, we got to utilize this time wisely and make like a really great record. Cause by the time this, all the dust settles, it's going to be a couple years, you know, since the last record. So, um, so that's what we did. We just hunkered down and, and, you know, it was really great to have something to really focus on because getting a record together is a, is a long process. And we spent over a couple of months writing, you know, Stevie and I wrote 22 songs um, for this record. It's a 10 song record. And, and then right at the end, our label goes, you know, Marty Fredrickson, who we've worked with in the, in the past and co-wrote songs with, and he produced records he said, uh, why don't you guys go to Nashville for a week and just uh, write with Marty for a week? And we're like, yeah, let's let's do it. So at that point, we had we had been the songwriting muscle was strong with us. We have been we were writing a lot of songs. So um, it was a great time to go. And, you know, he's always writing songs and he's super, super talented guy. And and we just really enjoy being with him. And when we're with him, it's like the, the sixth band member. You know, he's he's very he knows exactly uh what's great about this band and what to and how you know the strengths and weaknesses and and what to bring out in us and and so we got in a room and it was we literally got the hotel up the street so we're like a half a mile away from the studio Mm -hmm. and for five days we wrote six songs and and all six of them made the record that's how good they were um literally i i got there i would go record vocals in the morning two hours then I'd come back to the hotel and wait. And then Stevie and Marty would send me an instrumental track around four or five in the afternoon. And then I would write all night until it was done for me, you know, and then I'd go to bed and get up and record the vocals to that song and then so on and so forth. And it was crazy, you know, and it was so fun. I I love to be in a pressure situation like that. I love I love what it brings out in all of us because we have no, we, we were just like, we got to bring our a game and that's it. You know, these got to be the greatest songs we've written, you know? And, and so um, I told Marty, I was like, after that, I want to write a whole record in two weeks, just from nothing. We come in and we write it around the clock, no days off until it's done. You know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, but you know, I can tell you, like, <laughs> we got to take a day off. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Go. A few things, you know, as you were speaking to that, first of all, 
where, where in the timeline of, you know, basically the pandemic, were you guys writing and were you kind of afraid? Like, cause you know, you, you're talking about going to Nashville for a week. Like, was there a little bit of a concern of like, man, dude, can I travel? Is it safe to travel? And, you know, just kind of those things. But, you know, I'd imagine, like you said, having the focus to be able to go and, and kind of do something that takes you away from what's happening kind of is maybe like the carrot at the end of the stick of like, okay, if I go do this and travel where maybe I'm a little trepidatious about it, I get to do this other thing that I really want to do and be creative and kind of get my mind off of it. No, it was the opposite for us because at that time nobody was flying. So it was really like the safest time to fly. We, hmm. we were like, we went to the airport and we're like, fuck, this is amazing. You know, we, we had our, we had our masks on, but like, there's nobody in there. And then we were on a plane and we had like whole rows to ourselves. And it was like, uh, I thought it was the safest time actually to fly as far as like getting any kind of uh, illness, you know, um, listen, I'm a singer and I, and, and I started masking on airplanes way before COVID because I, uh, I would have this whenever I was on a plane for like more than five hours, like when I go to Europe and stuff, it was like three days later, I'd be, I'd get sick because mm. from the plane, you know, the recycled air and everybody's in there coughing. And, and I was like, I'm like, fuck this, man. I'm never doing that again. I'm, I don't care if I got to wear a mask for 12 hours on a plane. I'm just, and I started doing it and the results were amazing. Like, mm. like at, at one point we went to, we went to, we had this run where it was Australia, Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And it was 35,000 miles in the air in two weeks. So that's how much we are in planes, right? So uh, I masked the whole time and the band didn't. And every one of those guys got this weird like cough that lasted like fucking six weeks, you know, oh. like, and they're, they're like convinced that they had COVID back. This was right before COVID hit. And I masked and I was fine, you know, like, so I'm, I'm like, I'm never going back to not masking on a plane. I'll tell you that. Like, um, but so yeah, that being said, yeah, I wasn't worried about it. So on, uh, on the opening track to the record five, four, three, two, one, is that a subtle nod to the Josh John, the conflict, uh, thing with the, the, that line in there being like 18 miles away from conflict or from the conflict? Team miles away from no, it was just uh, I love that word conflict. I think okay. it's such a, I just think it's such a great word. I wasn't thinking that, but um, but you know that conflict record is amazing. That, that Josh <laughs> Todd, that, and that was like the first record that Stevie and I got to make just on our own, just write to write uh, to co-write together, you know, and and we had such a great time doing that record. But um, those songs are always in me. That goes back to my foundation, you know, I. I grew up on independent records, punk rock records, and, you know, I can access those type of runs anytime. You know, I, I, I really love, I read that, that bridge in five, four, three, two, one that you're talking about is like one of my favorite parts of the record. Cause it's so, it's just so, uh, ridiculous, you know, uh, the, the lyrics and the, the despair, the despair and, uh, those lyrics. I love it. It was just one of those where I was like, oh, I could see it being just a very like tongue in cheek. Like if you catch it, there it is. Um, oh, yeah. No, I didn't think about that. But I, that's cool that you pointed that out. You know, I also really like uh, I actually feel like for me, I feel like the last half of the record is is really fucking strong. But it, it's a completely different vibe than the first half of the record. You yeah. know, songs like No More Lies, Wasting No More Time. Those feel like songs that have just been lived in and, you know, were born out of 
sitting in a room together and just kind of making the song and just kind of perfecting yeah. it like you were saying. But to me, the way, I mean, holy shit, that's Yeah, the that's way right is there. like Yeah, Stevie and I were going through a lot. Uh I was going through a lot personally and he was going through a lot personally. His father had died. This is all during COVID and and I came in and I got I got this song and I just sang the melody down to him. I had no music. And I go, I really want some, I want, I really want piano on a song, you know? And he's like, great. And he was going through what he was going through. And he came back with this musical composition that was just, he goes, I want it to be like St. Uh, uh, hey Jude. And yeah. I go, awesome. Let's do it. You know? And I got this and I was like, this is amazing. And I just felt like at that point that I had, you know, I had to bring my A game because he did such a great job. You know, I started it in one place and then he brought it to a whole new level. And so, um, yeah, after we got done with that, we were like, this is, this is probably one of the coolest, like ballad type songs that we have ever written, you know, for sure. Well, it kind of made me wonder, and I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. So there is plenty of examples of this, like, forgive me for not being able to come up with them, but I feel like there's a lot more piano and keys on this record than I've really heard on any other Buck Cherry record. Like who's, who's doing them. And is there plans to have a like ancillary musician with you when you go out now to kind of do that? Yeah, work? that's Stevie. That's Stevie. And, you know, we've done away alive a handful of times now and we have a piano uh, on stage keyboard and he goes and he starts the song on piano we do the song and then cuts right into that that lead guitar section right. at the end and it's 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 so epic it's like such a moment in a buckcherry set it feels like dream on you know like like that that moment in the aerosmith sets you know when, when dream on happens you know so uh i'm like this is the missing link you know this is gonna, <laughs> this is so great for live you know and such a great flavor you know yeah yeah i feel like this record lends itself to a lot of oh, sorry he can sing really well he can mm. he's got like perfect pitch he can like hear something and hear hear like a melody on the radio and then sing it like perfect pitch and i hate him for that like he can he can do that he can play the piano as well. I mean, he's not like as he's a great, you know, amazing guitar player, but like that's his first instrument. But he can play piano. He played harmonica on Gun. That's Stevie. You know, okay. um, you're uh, cutting out just a little bit. I don't know if you like have something over your microphone or something. Uh, um, can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. Now I can hear you. Make sure uh, my uh, I have a thing where I can check my internet, like. Uh, no, it almost is like yeah. one of those things where like either you're like something was like if you're wearing like Bluetooth or uh, AirPods or whatever, like sometimes when they're like almost on the verge of coming out, like it sounds like they're disconnecting sort of. But oh, you're okay. good now. But you're good now. They're, they're really in now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, like talking about how, you know, like the classic rock, you know, the, of Aerosmith and so forth. Like I've even as you brought up the harmonica thing. I was thinking going back to like when my dad would play Blackfoot and what is it? Train train with that harmonica fucking part in it. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this like just feels like a great classic rock record to me. And you know, it's one of those, like, I feel like there's not, 
So I've made the comment to a lot to friends and music friends when we have like these conversations about, you know, classic bands and so forth. And something I always say is like, you know, why do we go back to the Aerosmiths, the Steve Millers, the, you know, the Kisses and all this kind of stuff? What happened and why do we only focus on like those? Like why are Elton John songs always going to be timeless? Why are Journey songs always timeless? Like where are those other bands that are going to like from when they basically stopped making those hits where are the other right. bands that are going to be doing it? And the only one I've really ever come up with that I think kind of carried that same kind of torch for like just classic songs that have endured since they've come out. It was Foo Fighters, really. But I also don't know why, why that's not continued. Like, why hasn't there been another band that's been able to kind of do a classic rock kind of sound and continue on and have long lasting songs? Is it because fans just don't want it anymore or... Like, I don't know. No, like, yeah. no, I think I think it's song quality. You know, I think that, you know, you're talking all these people you're talking about are hit songs. They're all like hit hit makers, you know, yeah. like Journey, Journey is like that. That's timeless because those are hit songs. You know, like all those ACDC songs are hit songs. Back in Black is like the best rock record ever written. You know, um, you can play that to the end of time and it's still going to be great. You know, um, I just think I think. uh you know, new rock has kind of lost the focus on, you know, the, on big melodies, you know, uh, I don't hear a lot of big melodies anymore in, in new rock. And like, um, the older rock, we, they all listen to the right things. They all li listen to African-American artists. That's why, that's why old rock is so great. It had soul, you know, mm -hmm. like Led Zeppelin had soul. And then they wrote like big melodies because they had soul, you know, Aerosmith listened to all that stuff too. That it had soul, you know, and, and ACDC has soul, you know, that's why I love ACDC so much. You can rock to it and you can dance to it. And, and every riff that Angus writes has groove. And, um, you know, you don't find that in, in new rock records. It's all cut to grid and every band sounds the same and it's like you listen into 45 minutes of one band and it's like there's five bands in there and they're all no, nobody's a rock star there you don't remember anybody and like i was having this conversation with somebody the other day i go it's like at at the year 2000 there's like no more rock stars you, you just have not no more rock stars you don't know anybody in rock they could be standing in front of you you just you wouldn't even know who they were you know and that is like crazy it's like in the 90s, look how many frontmen we had. Amazing frontmen on their own. Chris Cornell, Lane Staley, Eddie Vedder, you know, Kurt Cobain, uh, Zach De La Roca, uh, Jonathan, um, what's Davis. Jonathan's last, what? Jonathan, Jonathan Davis. Davis, yeah, amazing, yeah. you know, all these guys. And then like, year 2000, you know, so um, I don't know. There's no rule. That's why I love it. It like it it, it, it intimidates me. And that's where I go to. I want to see something that you know. I want to hear something that I'm gonna go. Oh, that's crazy. You know, you just said that. That was amazing. Well, you put that together. You know, I love that. That's why I loved NWA back in the day. We all loved NWA because we could have nothing. We were all listening to rock records, but nothing was rock. We were like, this is you know yeah it i mean it's kind of funny you bring that up because that was sort of 
So last time we talked, uh, we were talking about basically how rock and metal really don't take risk and there's not really much diversity. And, you know, what's kind of interesting is like, I, you know, I see the headlines of like, you know, Gene Simmons consistently always saying rock is dead, rock is dead, rock is dead. And coincidentally, the one band that everyone's been like, hey, here's kind of a shining example. Like, why aren't you propping them up and giving them kudos like for Greta Van Fleet coming out? And kind of doing exactly what everyone's been wanting. Like, oh, I wish there was a band that sounded like Led Zeppelin. Maybe not exactly that much, but hey, like, here's your fucking band. Support them. And by and large, I think music critics and fans have. And it was really interesting to see, and I don't know which one of the dudes said it, but um, where he was like, maybe rock's not dead, but the rock you're expecting or what you were think it is, is gone. You need to right. kind of look for other things, which then had me kind of thinking about how, you know, Rock music as a whole, I feel like we're, we as the fans are very elitists uh, about everything. And, you know, you look at someone like Post Malone, who I fucking love. And I think he amazing. is a true amazing. rock star. And he's an, an amazing musician. Like anything that you does, you're just like, is there any, anything you can't do very well? Like he did a country set recently on that's on YouTube. And I was like, holy fuck, man. Like, man. He's really, he's really great. Really and, great. Yeah. But I was going to say, it's just one of those like where... I just wonder, you know, if people aren't willing to, that were deemed the rock stars, like you're saying, like it's been, you know, decades basically since we've really seen the true rock star. If people aren't just looking, they're not willing to look elsewhere. Like, you know, I, I think that little Nas X thing, the controversy over his last or latest song, I thought was really fucking cool. Cause it's like, you got, not only did you piss off like Christian, like right wing people, but then you <laughs> pissed off all these other motherfuckers. And like, I remember at one right. point, someone making the joke I saw on Twitter a long time ago that's like old white people are probably shook that the number one country song that won a Grammy is by a gay black dude. Like go right. fuck yourself. And it was just like one of those where I'm like, right. that's punk rock as fuck, man. Like the right. fact, and he used a nine inch nail sample on top of that. So we got Trent Reznor, a country Grammy. So yeah. just like weird shit like that, where it's like, to me, I love seeing stuff like this. And like you said, I always have kind of thought rap is where the rock stars are and have been for a while that everyone seems is missing. But do you feel that it's because of this elitism that is causing that? Like where we're not willing to look in another lane and see like, Hey, that what they're doing is really cool. We should be supportive of other artists instead of just tear again, tearing them down. No, I just think it's about hits, man. It just comes down to hits. Like, you're talking about Post Malone. He's got, like, hit after hit after hit. I mean, he's got songs that are just um, unbelievable, and that they're, the melodies are sick. I'm, he delivers every time, you know, and, and Little Nas X as well, you know. There's, there's not – I don't hear any hits in rock music. If there was hits, we'd all know the song, and that's it. We got to have hits. You know, kind of speaking a little bit more to lifting everyone up, you know, something I've always admired you guys for doing when you go out on a headline run is kind of bringing up some of these up and coming rock bands and putting them in front of, you know, your multi-generational fan base. Is that something you're intentionally doing uh, or want to do more of kind of going forward as you're kind of establishing yourselves as a legacy band at this point? With Of course, we're the black in? sheep. We're the black sheep of rock and roll. You know, we, we are... Uh, you know, people have called us the kings of the B market as well. You know, we've, <laughs> we've been on we've been on this plane on our own since we started in 1999. You know, it's like uh, sometimes it serves us, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's 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 
tough. We've had to really endure a lot of peaks and valleys over the years, but we've always uh, had to open up on our own. You can you hear me? Yeah, Something I can hear you. Happened there. Yep, no, I can hear it. Okay, so yeah, yeah, we always think about that. Um, we're always spun, you know, we're not like scouring the internet for new talent. That's not something <laughs> we're doing. We're, we're like, you know, we, we have, uh, we have management and then those bands have managers and, and we have them, you know, my, our manager gets with us and says, Hey, there's this band and they're, you know, they're really cool and they're up and coming and they're doing X, Y, and Z and it'd be a good fit. And, and we just, we have a listen and we're like, yeah, that's, that sounds good to us. And, and then they're, you know, most of them are so grateful to be given an opportunity to be an opener on a Buck Cherry tour, and and we create great relationships with that, like that. Kind of speaking a little bit to that with creating good relationships, you know, something I always find kind of interesting <laughs> is, you know, there's a band like Guar, and whether you like that band or have seen them countless times or whatever, a thing that I've always admired about Guar from a business perspective is they love kind of showcasing young bands and teaching them the ways of the road and how to be a professional touring band. Um, <laughs> really? I wonder what that's like. <laughs> I mean, a couple of my friends, uh, I, don't, I don't remember if you guys played any shows with them, but uh, Wilson, they're now broke up, but they were from Detroit. Um, that was one of the first big tours that they got to go on. And they were saying like, you know, back when Dave Brocky was still alive, um, you know, Chad, they my friend and their singer was like, Dave would pull me aside and be like, you know, this is like, it's not, it's not going to be easy every night to win this crowd over. You got to do this. You got to not like let it get to you. And because that they see that they're, you're not into it or that you're kind of being down about like, Oh, we're not winning the crowd over. Then they're not going to give it to you. Like you got to fucking earn it. And oh, yeah. just kind of like those things, like in, in instilling wisdom that they've learned over the years to these younger bands. Is that something that you do when you're out on tour with some of these younger bands? It's just kind of trying to, give them some some sage advice oh for sure you know when when asked we we're, we're uh i'm sorry I'm, i have a puppy that you know i have to <laughs> look after it um we we give up you know we're, we're an open book you know you just uh when we when we get down and talk to guys and you know it tours are you kind of feeling everybody out at the beginning of a tour you don't know who's what you don't know who's a kook and may not be weird or whatever and you feel everybody out and days go on and you start getting closer to certain individuals and start taking notice. And then you'll come out and like watch a few songs from them and you just kind of ease into it because, you know, we've also had experiences where, you know, musicians can be real dicks. You know, there's, there's a lot of jerk off musicians. So, um, you know, you just have to be careful and, and, uh, and, you know, those who really are ambitious and want to want to learn and, and are, and are uh, respectful. You know what I mean. That that w when we were when we were coming out, we were super respectful of everybody, of the band, the crew, every situation we went into. We were just so grateful to be there, and we wanted to learn. And you know, just tell us what to do. If you guys want to, if we can be side stage, great. If we're not, no big deal. You know, or if we can talk with the guys or meet with the guys, you know, the bigger bands, that would be great too. And and it it always worked out to where like. You know, we got to hang out with a lot of our heroes, you know, and 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 absorb the information, and and we do that a lot with with uh, baby bands all the time. What's uh, one of the best pieces of advice you've gotten from a band that you looked up to when you finally got to tour with them? 
I think, you know, when we first, uh, when we were first in Europe, we got, we never been to Europe and, and we got the opening slot of the kiss tour because mm. we had, uh, the same manager and, and, uh, that was in, that was an incredible learning experience because we'd never been in an arena rock stage. And I think what I got the most out of that is hold on. <laughs> Come here. I don't want him. He's, he's getting like, he's, uh, going to go to the bathroom and I don't want to, um, you know, I think what Gene and Paul really instilled in us during that time was uh, consistency. You know, you got to be really consistent night to night, you know, and, and watching them, they were so consistent, you know, that they, they, they had the same set every night or no, no, they did change it up, but like they were so consistent and they had, you know, they had their rap with the audience in between songs. They kept everybody engaged. It, it was like this whole uh, amazing production, you know? And so that's what I learned from the get go. It's like, I just wanted to be as good as I could be night to night with everything that you're dealing with, you know, on tour, you know, and, and, uh, that's when I became really regimented on my routine. Hmm. Uh, kind of last question for you. Cause like I said, Hey, you got a puppy that you got to deal with. And I know you got some other <laughs> behind me, but, uh, your a cutie. You want to see the puppy? This is absolutely. This is this is our little guy who just came into our life. Is keeping us really busy. This is oh. Lion. <laughs> say hi. Look, he's got he's got a blue eye or oh, right wow. here, blue eye and a brown eye. He like I love him so much, but he is a handful. Yeah, we got a quarantine puppy. Yeah, he's keeping us really busy. My, uh, I put my dog that I had for like 12 years down on New Year's Day last year, which sucked. So, know all about getting another puppy, and you're like, fuck, I forgot how terrible this is. (laughs) It's a lot lot Uh, of work. It is a lot of work. Uh, But knowing your propensity for constantly writing, as you were talking about earlier, uh, with this past year of not touring, will we see another spray gun war or even maybe another more conflict material in the future? Uh, Yeah, you know, um, it all depends on like, you know, we're just taking this one day at a time. We're still dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, with COVID and we can only be in the States right now. And we're, we want to, you know, book international and, and international is still, you know, that they don't have the vaccines like we have, you know, so there's still a lot of challenges, you know, uh, we're facing. And, and so we just really got to take it one day at a time right now. I'm just so focused on, Hellbound, it drops June 25th. It's amazing. You can pre-order it right now and and get the song so hot. We're, dro- we're dropping a second single here, uh, uh, May 20-something-ish. I can't remember the exact date, but like um, you're going to be really pleased with the record. So just go out and get the Hellbound record. And then, you know, after all is said and done and the dust settles, we'll see, we'll see what's up. We'll reassess. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk and uh, looking forward to hopefully catching a, a show here in Michigan. Whenever I know there's plenty, you announced like two years worth of touring. So at this point, if I don't get to see you, that's, that's on me, not you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me and uh, make sure you come out and say hello when we, uh, when we come, come over there. We'll do enjoy the rest of your day. You good, man. So that was my conversation with Josh Todd. Again, Buck Cherry's latest album, Hellbound, is out June 25th. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, as you heard me say. A lot of great songs on it. And uh, again, just want to thank him for coming on and, and not 
being afraid to answer, I don't want to say tough questions, because, uh, I mean, really, it was just kind of a loose conversation as I was kind of letting it go wherever the fuck it wanted to go. But just not being afraid to say real shit. I mean, you know, the whole thing about how rock doesn't have like hits, like big hits. Like, you know, when we were talking about like, why are bands like Journey and ACDC? Like, why do we still listen to them? And why do we still hold them in such a high regard? And more to the point, why hasn't there been a band that's really come along and done what these bands have done? Is it because, you know, we as fans just aren't as into the music as we were there's more options like you know what is it and you know he's just straight up was like because i mean people aren't writing hits like that anymore even listening back to this just to kind of you know i edited some stuff out of the front and toward the end you know when we were done actually chatting but it was one of those like where i've, I've really thought about that the last little bit and i've been listening to a lot more newer music and just kind of really thinking about like man like yeah this is a big fucking hit like it's it's great songwriting and, you know, we're just not, I guess to a degree, we're just not hearing that, at least not in rock. Like, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people will probably point their finger at a lot of different bands, but, um, you know, a friend of mine was actually sent me a song and he was like, listen to this and tell me what it sounds like to you. And I'm not going to mention the band, but it sounded exactly like a five finger death punch song, like down to the arrangement, down to how the guitar sounded, like literally everything. It was almost like hey, I'm going to go ahead and take your song, but I'm going to put these lyrics over it. <laughs> and it was kind of wild that I was like, man, like, and I went to that band's page and a lot of people were like, man, this song's so good. Yeah, man, you, you know, sounds killer. And I'm just like, man, is this where we're at? Like, we're basically stealing people's shit already. Like, that's barely been out for not even a decade. Like, fuck, man. I guess that's just, you know, it is what it is, man. Um, all of that said, I uh, really enjoyed my time with Josh. Hope you enjoyed this conversation as well. Um, again, if you got some boxing matches or something that you think I should check out, uh, send me some links, uh, Bruce speak pod, uh, on all the social media, or just send us an email, brutally speaking at Gmail. Um, if you like keep up with Buck Cherry, simple Buck Cherry on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or just go to buckcherry.com. They have announced like two years worth of touring dates already so again like i said at the end uh if they aren't coming to your area uh, it's probably your problem uh that they're not like they probably are and you just need to to go to a show or put what little bit of effort you need to into going i did also love the fact that he said that uh you know they've been called the kings of the b market again you know some people may have these grandiose ideas of what a career is supposed to be and i love the fact that josh is just like you know we'll we'll open for bands we'll headline ba like tours we'll we'll do anything man because we just want to play rock and roll music for for our fans and so forth and just get in front of people so love the hustle respect the hustle but yeah buck cherry that's where you find them uh josh todd does have an instagram it's pretty sparse on it it's josh todd official if you'd like to see that again everything's in the show notes also in the show notes uh you'll see things like you know rate review subscribe uh that is important to us uh if you are on a platform that is able to do such please do it uh leave us feedback we love hearing from you guys and uh you know if we start getting some itunes reviews and so forth uh maybe we'll start reading them on the air and uh doing that so we can give you the props for uh sharing our show or you know leaving us feedback also, a great way to leave feedback is going and supporting our sponsors. Uh, you heard them in the beginning of the episode, rockabilia.com. Head on over to Rockabilia, use our code BREW, get 10% off your total purchase order. Uh, they have over 500,000 items on their online store. I'm sure they have Buckcherry merch, because uh, why wouldn't they? Um, also want to thank The Bean Bastard. Uh, head on over to TheBeanBastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee today, and uh, keep your week energized with their delicious coffee. They also have candles and body scrubs and so forth, so don't be afraid to uh, indulge in some 
other luxurious items as well from them. Uh, support a small local business. And last but not least is On Point Palm. You keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and we will see you all next week where we are joined by Mike Sugars of Vatican, and we will talk to you all then. Enjoy your week.